Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. In Proverbs 6 and verse number 12, starting, it's been our springboard. This is, uh, I, I, I uh, assume that I probably only have one more lesson left in me on this. Amen. But here's the second to last for today. A naughty person, a wicked man, walketh with a forward mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his ears. Forwardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. The only two that we have not touched on yet is a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations and feet that are swift, or that be swift in running to mischief. So this morning, I want to talk about swift feet. I want to talk about swift feet. Those that are numbered among the things that, that God hates. Again, and I preface this over and over, unless you get out your little pen and start checking off well I'm okay I'm okay this is not an exhaustive list but this list kind of gives us a little bit of a summary and a feel for the things that the Lord would abhor the things that he would detest amen let's ask God to help us today I want the Lord don't you want the Lord to help us I need him as a matter of fact I want him to go before me and I just want to follow him Lord Jesus, I come to you today and I'm grateful, Lord, for another opportunity to be, Lord, in your presence, another opportunity to be in your house. I pray, oh God, your word is a living word. It's a living word. God, it divides the bone from the marrow. Lord, it's a discerner and the intents of the thoughts. I pray, oh God, this morning. God, I want to allow that word to do that very thing in my life today. I want to allow that living word, God, to have, Lord, some type of impression upon my life in the service this morning. God, every hearer, Lord, of your word, that they would also be doers, Father, of your word. Let the Holy Ghost touch us afresh and anew. God, let your spirit, Lord Jesus, be resident here and help us, God, to give witness to it. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. 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 Shake someone's hands. Yes, by faith. Shake their hands. Amen. Nod at them, whatever. If you're afraid of sickness and disease, I understand. He ho in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Seven things God hates. Swift, swift feet this morning. Swift feet. The average person, and I underscore average, but the average person takes 8,000 to 10,000 steps in a day. That interprets to something about 115,000 miles in a lifetime of an individual, meaning that if they would do it, they could have walked around the earth at the equator four times during their lifespan. 
And although it may seem like in our formative years, of course, of being infants and babies, there was a period of time that, as you know, if you've had children, you know that we got around from place to place by rolling. Remember when your child first rode over and it seemed like that's the way that they traveled? They just kept rolling. They get to places that uh, they were not whenever they were sat down on the floor, wherever it was, and they would row. And, uh, you know, you, you, some people, I know we did, whether it's wrong or right, you and judge me. We put our kids sometimes on bed for naps and put perimeter pillows all around the edge because of that rolling factor. Even had guards on some of my older, bed, older children because they rode out of bed whenever they were able to walk. I remember one time I, back home whenever we were kids growing up, I don't remember which it was. It was one of the twins. I think it was Rebecca. We had bunk beds. I had this little plastic little car. Now they put batteries in them so they can go and you don't have to use your feet. But we had to use our feet like the Flintstones. And I had a little plastic car behind the, by those bunk beds. Rebecca rode out of the top bunk and smashed my car. And so, you know, place to place in those formative years rolling, uh, some get this grand invention of scooting, right? They're able to set up, and if they're on a smooth surface floor, carpet's a little rough, you know, carpet's a little rough, but if they're on a tile floor or a linoleum floor, you know, they put those little hands in front of them, there goes their little, their little bottom, you know, they just grab and scoot, grab and scoot, getting from place to place, and eventually they make it to that milestone of life, being able to crawl, and life changes as a parent. Where the children learn how to crawl and begin to pull themselves up. And so in those formative years, we have all those different types, you know, rolling, scooting, crawling. But eventually, the goal is to walk. The goal is to walk. The goal is to use the feet that's on the end of our legs. As a matter of fact, I've been at times in our travels, we've, we've been in downtown uh, Baltimore, Maryland, a lot of street performers down there. And I remember watching people going around walking on their hands, going up steps and stuff. I thought, man, that's kind of cool, you know, but I wouldn't want to do too many miles, you know, walking on my hands. That, that's kind of interesting, but it hasn't caused society to change. Everybody now walks around along the sidewalks on their hands. It's just neat to look at. I mean, we were meant to walk upright on our feet to get from place to place. As a matter of fact, throughout history and throughout culture, the primary way that a person traveled was by foot. It was by foot. It was, it was a luxury to travel any other way. It was a luxury, luxury to travel any other way. In other countries, and particularly those that are without the perks of living within the United States, we, we kind of find ourselves in a vacuum sometimes. We think every other area is just like the United States. But that's not the case. But other countries that don't have the same luxuries as the United States, walking is still very much so the default means of transportation. It's the default means of getting from place to place. As a matter of fact, through the pages of Scripture, from Genesis to Revelation, primarily uh, whenever a person found themselves at a particular location, they had gotten there for the most part usually because of their feet. At times they might have had a donkey or a mule or, or a camel, but again, that was a luxury that many could not afford, and so they went by foot. The human foot contains one foot, contains 26 bones, 33 joints, 107 ligaments, 19 muscles and tendons. Yeah, isn't that something? <laughs> 
Praise God. You better thank God every day for it. And as a pair, your feet, you consider all of the bones, that 52 bones then in your, the pair of feet that you have. All of that, for me, as I was thinking about this this morning, what a great testimony. What a great testimony to my creator that all of those things and the intricacies of those things are found right there in my feet. But then as a result of that, feet then and their purpose in our mobility then are very, very important. Both literally and figuratively this morning, think with me, our feet support or limit the rest of our bodies. Those poor two feet support your weight. Your movement, they might aid, aid in it or they might limit it if you have problems in your feet. In a very literal sense, our feet have the responsibility of supporting our whole entire body. My Probably right around 200 pound body, uh, these feet are supporting this morning. However, if you consider this today, they also have the ability of limiting other parts of our bodies. Because our eyes are limited in what they see and our ears in what they hear, our mouths in who they speak to and our hands in what they do because of our feet. My eye today can only take in all of the panorama of that which is around me this morning, the little glimpses out the window, which isn't much, a fence on the top of a car over here. Amen. My eyes can see all of this. But if my feet don't allow me to walk, that is the extent of what I can see. I can hear or not hear what's going on in here this morning. <laughs> Did you catch that? Anyway, I can hear or not hear what's going on here this morning, right here from this standpoint. But if I were to hear anything else that's outside of these walls, my feet are going to have to help me. So they've, in a certain sense, limited what I could hear. My hands... I, I can only do so much this morning with these hands from, from, from this position. But if I'm going to touch Bishop, my feet aid me or at the same token limit me from touching him. And so our feet then in many ways not only support us, but they limit other areas of our body. And so as a result of that, my feet in reality open up a world for me visually that I otherwise would not have if I only had eyes. If, if not possible, how many times, how many times you ever, you know, been sitting in your house or standing there and you're hearing a little faint sound? You hear it? And what do you want to do when something like that? So you don't know where it's coming from. You don't know what it is, particularly if it's a drip. Right? Yeah. <laughs> particularly if it's a drip. I look at my wife and these are the words that come in my mouth. I'm going to go see where that's coming from. Especially in the winter. I'm going to go see where that is coming from. And as a, re, as a result, and because of my feet, I know this is elementary, but it's also profound. I can get up from where I am, move in the direction of the sound, and the sound as I'm moving in its direction becomes louder, becomes more pristine. I might even have a better idea of what it is as I'm moving closer to that point of origin. That wasn't due necessarily entirely to my ears. But that was also because of my feet. So in part this morning, I, I got here this morning at 1121 Cedar Street in part this morning because of my vehicle. But the remainder of the trip from the parking lot 
to where I'm standing right here today was because of my feet. For that matter, my feet were very instrumental in my mouth being able to talk to y'all today. Everybody catching what I'm laying down here today. Your feet are vitally important. Many of the activities, if you read in Proverbs chapter number six, many of the activities there listed in the scripture, they involved, remember, a proud look. It involved the eyes. It also involved our mouth or our tongue, the Bible speaks, that our tongue was a lying tongue. He speaks of this man and that the mouth even spoke was a false witness that spoke lies. It involved the mouth. Also in Proverbs 6, we looked at last Sunday, hands that shed innocent blood. So the hands were involved, the eyes were involved, the mouth were involved. And each of the activities that they were involved in seems to be very negative or wicked or bad. Amen. Uh, because they involved the interaction of them with another person or them with another object, per se, even worshiping an idol by them offering their children to Molech, as we looked at last week. But all of that was made possible. The proud look among others and the word that could be spoken to or about somebody else or the hands that shed blood, it was all empowered and made possible by the feet. The feet, amen. Quite possibly the feet have been an accomplice, if you will, or a partner in crime for each of those things that are listed that the Lord said that he hated. The feet's been a partner in crime. The eyes didn't do them by themselves, but the feet helped. The mouth didn't do it by itself whenever they went and spoke gossip to that person. The feet helped. Amen, the hand that shed, it didn't go do that much. The feet helped. And so there, there are a few scriptures that I think that illustrate this concept and idea well. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse number 16, look what it says. For there, everybody say feet. Run to evil and make. What makes? Their feet. Now look at this. The feet make haste to shed blood. I thought we saw last week that the hands were the one. I mean, I don't know. The feet shed blood? That's kind of an interesting concept if you start to think about it, actually. If you picture it in your mind, it's quite hilarious. Isaiah 59 and 7, look what it says. Their feet, everybody say feet. feet. Run to evil. And they make haste to shed innocent blood. Romans 3 and verse 15. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Now, folks, I don't know. I don't know if a person's feet have ever been convicted of killing anyone. Not unless there's some type of ninja with a death kit. But I seriously doubt we are dealing with a group of rogue ninjas in the book of Proverbs. That have bands tied around their heads and they are shedding blood with their feet. But I believe what the scripture is telling us is this. Is that the hands could not do it without the help of the feet. That the feet were the associates if you will. The feet were the accomplices, amen, to the hands of shedding innocent blood. The feet, if you will, positioned the person in a place where they could shed blood, amen. And as we learned last week, the shedding of innocent blood was tied to false worship. In other words, this morning, I'd like to convey this today, that where you go with your feet will help influence what you do. Let me go a step further. Where you go with your feet will help influence what you do, will help influence what you say, will help influence what you see, will help. 
That's the reason why we purport around the house of God and even the word of God. We need to be careful. Yes, in what we say and what we see and what we hear and what we do. But let's tie it all up in this. We better be careful where we go because we would have opportunity to say some things if our feet wasn't somewhere. We would have opportunity to see some things if our feet were not some. Someone just give me a good old nod this morning. I'll accept that as an amen. Amen. And we got to watch where our feet are going. They are a couple, they are partners in crime in all this. Bible says in verse 13 of Proverbs 6, it says that the naughty, wicked person speaks with the feet. Huh? When my kids were younger, maybe even now, I don't know, I'm just joking. That's talking. Huh? Stomping the feet might indicate anger. Hmm? Might indicate some type of excitement. It's all according to what the facial expression is that's accompanying it. Might, might, might express, your feet, he said the feet speak. They're speaking. You see little kids kind of, you know, someone new comes up and they kind of like this. Could be shy. Could be a little feet turned inward sometimes. That's an indication of shy. Now here's one. Now you're going to start using this one probably against each other. But whenever feet are pointed in a direction away from the person that you're talking to, that usually indicates that you're not fully engaged or interested in what the conversation is. Because normally when you're fully engaged, you're like this. But if you're not fully engaged sometimes, you'll notice that people's feet is turned away. It's that I really want to go, but I'm held right here. Now everybody's going to have conversations like this, yeah? Uh-huh. How you doing? Your feet talk. Your feet speak. Amen. Consider the next two statements here today. Not only on a natural plane, literal plane, but also on a spiritual plane, if you will. So, since we have all these bones down in our feet, 25%, that is, 25% of all the bones in the human body are in our feet. That's amazing to me. And they say that whenever these bones in our feet, those 52 bones, are out of alignment, so is the rest of your body. (laughs) Secondly, They say that foot ailments can become your first sign of a more serious medical problem. They say that your feet mirror the general health of your overall body. So that conditions like arthritis and diabetes and nerve and circulatory disorders can show up initially with symptoms in your feet before they'll show up anywhere else. And so what I gather from this Literal information about our feet is this. is not only can your feet impact the rest of your body, but they can indicate the condition of the rest of your body. So in a sense, to put it in layman's terms, in a sense, your feet are both thermometers. They, they, they set some, they, 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 uh, they gauge something and they're also, they are also thermostats. You understand what I'm saying? A thermostat 
If I go back there, it tells me that it's 55 degrees in here. But whenever I set the thermometer to a degree, it's going to influence the environment and the temperature in this area. Amen. And so our feet not only can gauge what's going on in our body, but they can influence what's going on in our body. They don't just gauge the condition of our body. They reveal the condition of our body. And therefore, when feet are swift to run to mischief, they may be influencing the body. Amen. With those actions. But when they are swift to run to mischief, they might also be revealing the overall desire, the overall bend of the body already, having a a notion to want to go there. So they might not only hurt you, but they may indicate what's already going on in your heart, what's already going on in your mind. And so God says, I hate feet that are swift in running to mischief because they are either going to influence something or they're telling me about something that's already going on. And either way, it's not good if it's headed toward mischief. Someone say amen. The word, the Hebrew word translated feet in Proverbs, the Hebrew word translated feet in Proverbs is defined as a foot or by implication a step. In other words, both feet don't have to be involved in heading toward mischief for God to despise it, not like it, deplore it, but God abhors even a foot pointed in the wrong direction. God even detests a step in the wrong direction. Because whenever we walk, again, this is not profound today, but whenever we walk or we run, that's composed of each foot taking a step in turn and repeating it. Left foot step, right foot step. Left foot step. You know what you got here? We got a little walk going on. By each foot taking a step. If I were to speed it up, it could be jogging. Speed it up a little faster, it'd be running. But it all comes down just taking a step with each foot and doing it over and over and over again. And so whenever we can boil down our we can boil down our walk or we can boil down our run, our skip, whatever type of uh, however you want to travel, amen, you can boil all that down to this. It's just isolated steps, one after the other. And that's the reason, that's the reason why even our English dictionary, we have such words as misstep, meaning just a wrong step because wrong steps lead to wrong walks. Someone say amen. So we got to carefully consider our walk at the level of thinking about each step. Huh? We got to consider our walk at the step level. David was a man that did not underestimate the power of a solitary step. He said in 1 Samuel 20, in verse 3, David was speaking to Jonathan, his friend, his chum. He was speaking to him. This was during the time that Jonathan's father, Saul, was seeking after David's life. David was like a fugitive on the run. Things had heated up around the kingdom. Saul was looking down upon David, wishing to take him, throwing javelins at him and swords at him. Whenever he was in his presence, David, though, had befriended and made friends with Jonathan. The Bible says that their souls were knit together. And David says, and David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. 
But truly as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, there is but a, everyone say step. There is but a step between me and death. David understood the power of a solitary step. He understood that steps were the building blocks to his walk. Steps were the building blocks to his run. He knew there was such a fine line right now in his life, at this moment in his life, that even a single step could have meant death for him. And so he says, I got to pay attention, not necessarily to the totality of my walk, but I need to dial this thing back and consider each step I'm taking. Folks, we sometimes are deceived thinking we need to be concerned about our walk, but you do to the degree and the detail of every step that you're making. Because for some people, we're so close on the peripheral of church or not church, for God or not God, it could be an isolated step that separates you from God. And we... Some would say amen. A single step, David said, could mean death for me right now. He says, I'm in such a position. One step could mean death for me. Folks, we got to stay very much so uh, aware of our step and every step that we take, that it's not to that as mischief or evil or wickedness. Amen. That we're not taking our eyes places, our ears places. Amen. We got to be conscious of every step. We don't need a misstep. Thank God that some's made missteps and they had some steps they could afford. But that's not always the case in our life. There's sometimes we are walking a fine line and a step is a determining factor. How many times someone said if they took one more step, they'd been hit by that car. If they did one, what are you saying? They said they were so close. Just one little bit of movement, one little bit of flex would somehow end it all. Someone say Amen. Perhaps that is why then David, he's exclaiming in the scriptures, in the Psalms, amen. He said, Lord, he said, I've come to realize, this is in Psalms 37, he said, Lord, I've come to realize that whenever the law of God, whenever the law of God is in the heart of man, when the law of God is in the the heart of man, David said in another place, I think in Psalms 119, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. He said, I've come to the awareness that when the law of God is in the heart of man, this is what he said, none of his steps shall slide. When the law of God is in the heart of man, none of his steps shall slide. And if his steps won't slide, his walk won't slide. And if his walk won't slide, his run won't slide. And if none of those things won't slide, he's gonna keep the integrity of his ears and the integrity of his eyes and the integrity of his mouth. David said in Psalms 44, verse 18, he said, our heart is not turned back, neither have our steps declined from by what? He's talking to God. He said, our hearts have not turned back. Here's the reason our steps have not declined from your way. He said, you've set us on a path, Lord. And every step we're taking in that path 
He said, if we turn, he said, we're declining from this way. We're declining with even a solitary step motioning in the other direction. He said, but we've not done that. We've kept our steps. They've not declined from your way. That's the reason why God, folks, that's the, do you understand then why God abhors feet that are swift and running to mischief, which that word literally means evil or bad. The Lord hates feet that are running in that direction because if feet are headed in that direction, they are not headed toward God. If they're headed in that direction, they're not headed toward him. And so God absolutely abhors anything that's going to pull us away from him. He abhors anything that's going to take the place of him. He wants our feet to be coming to him, nigh to him, set in the path that he has set. Amen. Placed in the way that he has placed. Someone say amen. Job expressed it well while addressing God. He's talking to God and all of his misery and humdrum and uh, the lack of support of what supposedly is his friends. He addresses God and he says, God, for now thou numberest my steps. He's going through all this heartache, trouble, despair, loss of possession, loss of health, loss of wealth, lost it all. And he says, now God, even during this trial, during this temptation, during this heartache, now thou numberest my steps. What is Job saying? Job, he's saying, Job, God's saying, or rather Job's saying to God, God, he says, you keep a close walk over my steps. You're minutely attending, not just to my walk, but to my steps. You number my steps. Now listen to me. That doesn't just mean that God is counting his steps, but in the Hebrew, it also means that God is inscribing his steps. In other words, God is making notation, not just of the quantity of Job's steps, but the quality the quality of Job's steps. How many times have I heard in my lifetime someone says, well, God really don't care about that. That's really no big deal to God. Well, who are you to sit on the panel to decide what's big to God and what's not big to God? If Job said he has an eye on every step, he numbers them and he searches the integrity of them, then it is a big deal to God because every step is either for him or against him, toward him or away from him. when we consider feet that are swift swift in running to mischief we're talking about feet without any display of resistance in the direction they're going they're willingly headed there we're talking about feet that are running toward mischief without pause they're going headlong, if I could state it like this, headlong into sin, even after the first inclination to go there. They're headed there. The Hebrew word for swift means to be liquid or flow easily, hastily, or quickly. Feet that easily go to mischief. Quickly go to mischief. Like a, like a liquid that's flowing easily toward mischief. Here's the fact of the matter, folks. Every individual is tempted. I know you thought it was just your week, but guess what? Every, there's been other people in here that's been tempted this week too. Probably every single one of us. I know you thought that you had the red little circle in the middle of the, bulls, of the bullseye that was on your back. But guess what? It's on every individual. You're no more special, any better, or worse off than any of us. We all tempted. We're all tempted. Every individual is tried. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way, everybody say a way, to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Hallelujah. So when it comes down to the nitty gritty, the surprise is not in the temptation because everybody's tempted. Everybody's tempted. The young, the old, the middle-aged, the single, the married, everybody is tempted. The lost, the found, Everybody is tempted. The pastor, the janitor, everybody is tempted. The temptation is not the surprise, but the surprise is this to God. He's not surprised that we're tempted. That's not the surprise. The surprise to God, if I could say it like that or term it like that, is this, is how easily and quickly some give in. The surprise to God sometimes is how quickly and easily some people give in to the temptation and chase after what is tempting them. We're all tempted. We're all going to be tried. But it behooves God sometimes how quickly we turn in the direction of the temptation and go after it with foaming mouth and longing eyes. Someone say amen. Exodus 32, case in point. Exodus 32 and verse number eight. (laughs) This is God speaking to Moses. Look what he says. They have, speaking of Israel, they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it. And they have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. This is where Moses has been up on the Mount of God, receiving the Ten Commandments, the pattern to the tabernacle, the wilderness. He's been up there receiving what all the offerings are, what was the proper thing to bring, how to do it. He's receiving all that. That mount that was smoking and lightnings and thunder, all this going on. And Israel's down at the base of the mount and they're waiting for Moses to arrive. And in the moment of their idleness, they say, hey, why don't we make a God because we don't know what's happened to this Moses? Why don't we make a God? And they take off things from their bodies, melt it down, and they make a golden calf and they worship it, they sacrifice to it, they dance around it, they drink, they, they give into they give into relationships outside of their marriage bed. And God says unto Moses, they've turned quickly. Now to understand how God is just so behooved by what's going on. Look at the history leading up to this point. Earlier in Exodus, God has delivered these people out of Egypt. God has taken these people through the Red Sea without harm. God has brought these people to bitter waters, put a tree in it, and made them sweet in order for them to drink from them. God had provided for these people who were complaining about being hungry. And he gave quail from heaven and manna every day for their sustenance. God had caused water to come out of a rock for these people. He even came to the mount of God where Moses went up into. And before Moses went up into there, God 
had shared his expectations, amen, for these people, amen, with them. And after all of that, after all of that, a 40-day time frame of Moses on a mount, Joe is looking at Elliot and saying, you know what, why don't we make a God? looking through the lens of God's deliverance he gave them, of the food he gave them, of the water he gave them, of the headache of dealing with them. They say, you know what, why don't we go after some other gods? And God's saying, you know what, they have awfully quickly turned around away from me. What is that? That's feet that's swift. That's feet that's swift. Swift feet. I tell you what swift feet is. Swift feet is the God that heals your body of sickness or disease and gets you out of a hospital and you show up for one service and then you start missing church continuously again. Oh, yeah. Swift feet is the Lord providing for you financially whenever you didn't know it was where it was going to come from and you were wringing your hands and you make the little dilemma and say, you know what? The little Tessie say, you know what? I'm going to start paying my offerings and my tithing to God. And you do for the first month and then the second month comes and somewhere we don't see it anymore. You know what that is? Swift feet. Swifty is every individual that's ever attended a conference at NYC or a camp meeting and they rode the high of the services and the preaching and the worship and they're ready to do great exploits for God and they come back in their own church and they can't lift a hand, can't clap a hand, can't pray, can't worship. That's Swifty. So they, they turned aside quickly from the way that I've commanded them. And it's not like God was expecting something of them that he had not made known unto them. That happened before he ever ascended the mount with Moses. So that I didn't realize I don't know things. There's sometimes I'm even behooved. People talk to me about I never knew, I never knew that, I never knew that, that, that tithing was 10%. Honey, I've taught it in this church. In the past seven years I've been here. There's people come to me talking about stuff that they didn't know, that I know I spoke, and I, the only thing I can figure out, it wasn't so much laid upon me that I didn't say it, but maybe they weren't there to hear it. And so God sees Israel making a golden calf. He sees them doing things totally in opposition to the expectations that he had laid out for them. For crying out loud, folks, Moses even had a chance to come down with the pattern to the tabernacle. Or with the tables of commands in his hand. Not even had a chance and they're already misstepping. And it's almost stated, if you look at it again, and the way I'm saying that it behooved God or surprised God, I know there's nothing that takes God by surprise, but it's stated almost as though God is taken back by the activity that they have turned aside quickly out of the way which he commanded them. It's kind of like this. It's quite amazing. It might not behoove God, but it does me. And that is how quickly we turn our back on God, who in moments earlier we were just beckoning for his attention. 
I know sometimes in the real world that God's got to be seeing this. We want him to come, but we want him to go. We want him to be involved in our life, but we don't want him to get too involved. I'm about ready to have a fit up in my organ. Moses hadn't even a chance to come down the mountain. But God in Proverbs saying, I hate when people easily, like a liquid, hastily and quickly go back to what I delivered them from. Hello? They were in Egypt. The flesh pots, the sphinxes, the gods. He just delivered them out of that. And now they're so quickly to return to that. Do you know how much of a slap in the face of God that is for us to quickly embrace what we wanted God to deliver us from? He said that swift feet, that swift feet. I hate it when people quickly leave the God-ordained place I have for them and what they've longed for to go back to the flesh pot and the vomit of the life they were living in. The word, the word mischief, the word mischief in Proverbs is the word raw, R-A, in the Hebrew. It's the word raw. As a matter of fact, if you read in Deuteronomy 30, verse 15, whenever Moses is speaking to the children of Israel, he, he has that mode that whenever they were coming to the land of promise, he even admonished Joshua to do this. You're going to put them on the Mount of Blessing and Mount of Cursing. You're going to read things that are positive, blessing. You're going to read things that are cursing. And both of these things are going to come up on them based upon how they walk. Uh-huh. If they walk in opposition to me, the cursing will come upon them. If they walk in, 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 in harmony with me, the blessing will come upon them. And so this is what he spoke to them in Deuteronomy 30 in verse number 15. Moses says to the children of Israel, he says, See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil. Hebrew word, raw. Set before you life and good and death and evil. Raw or mischief or the way that it's interpreted in Proverbs. So mischief in the Hebrew, raw that is, is the same word for evil here in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 15. It's the same word that's oftentimes used for bad many other places of the scripture. This word raw, mischief, evil, bad is used over and over again. Hundreds and hundreds of times throughout the Old Testament scripture. So it's that same word for evil. It's the same word for evil that's even used in the book of Genesis where the Lord speaks to Adam and he says, and this is the way that God does. And I want you to all understand that God is a gentleman. God is a gentleman. God leaves you with choice. I spoke on that a few Sunday nights ago. Individual responsibility. If you wasn't here, listen to it on the podcast. God leaves you with the choice. And the thing is, it's, it's, with God, it's real cut and dry. Good, evil. Blessing, cursing. Amen. Talk to him. Please just listen for right now, okay? Please just listen for right now. Amen. Just listen for right now. Amen. And so he gives you a choice. You got paths. It's right or wrong. It's good or bad. He gives choice. I've set life before you. I've set blessing before you. I've set death before you. I set evil before you. It started all the way back in the garden. God allowing a choice. Here's the tree of life and every other tree in the garden for that matter. And here's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Raw. Mischief. Raw. And so, because 
The Bible says that Eve saw that tree of knowledge of good and raw. And she coveted it and she took it. Watch me here now. God hates feet that swiftly run in the direction of evil, of mischief. Listen to me. Because in reality, that's how the fall began. Now, Brother McGee, it doesn't say anything about her except her seeing it and her taking it. It was in the midst of the garden. Watch me here. Her eyes could only see it if her feet was in a location where it could be seen. Her hands, I mean, she'd had to be a giant to have, and she don't have go-go gadget arms, okay? In order to take from the tree, her feet had to get her close enough to the tree. Huh? In order to partake of it. And so while, yeah, her eyes were involved and her hand was involved, it was her feet that positioned her for both. And so all the way back to the garden, God starts to get a little tiff with feet that are swift to run in the direction of raw, of wickedness, of evil, of mischief. Because that action marred all of humanity. Every individual that would ever be born again from the seed of Adam and Eve and and their descendants all would then have seed of sin in their life. It marred humanity. Amen. Not only did it mar humanity as a result of that, as a result of feet that were swift to the direction of that which they should not have been, it also meant that now we're going to have to have a flawless sacrifice to take care of it. Swift feet, if you will, necessitated a bloody tree with Christ Jesus on it. Not only that, I believe without doubt, Psalm David said in Psalms 22, which is a messianic psalm talking about Jesus Christ, the Bible says he's speaking of there that they pierce the hands and the feet. I think with intention, the hands because that's what grabbed, but the feet because that's what aided the hands to grab. And Christ says, I'm going to take them both to a cross and let them be pierced through because swift feet put the hands in a place that very well may jeopardize all. Oh, yes. Someone say amen. And look, look, look how this thing just spins out of control. Look, the domino effect on all of this. In Genesis 6 and 5, then not very much later, we see, and God saw the wickedness. Raw. God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil, raw, continually because everything that was started in the garden, it just built up, it's built up. People are being born into the sin. They are wicked, they're raw, they're bad, they're evil. Amen, they're they're mischievous or mischievous rather. Amen, they have all these things going on in their life as a result of that. And God says, you know what? It's just evil continually. It's bad continually. It's wicked continually. You know what? I believe this is the only thing there is, badness. That's the only thing there is. He said only evil. That's all there is. It's bad continually. In so much that God said, you know what? The only thing I see fit to do is visit them with a flood and destroy the whole earth. And that all really links back to swift feet. Swift feet. That was bent. 
on mischief or raw, evil, bad. The Bible says, Psalms 37 and verse, Psalms 37 and verse 23. The steps, everybody say steps, of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It's important to denote the adjective good before the word man. And he delighteth in his way. In other words, if you consider him a good man, if he is described or indicated as a good man, his steps are ordered of the Lord. But if he is, as in our Proverbs 6, a naughty, wicked man, if he is a naughty, wicked man, as the Proverbs states, he orders his own steps. He has, if you will, so swiftly turned in a direction of mischief and evil and raw. Look at this now. I think this is a good story. In the, in the scripture that concerns this swift movement. Because I, I just called this morning swift feet. God has no problem with swift feet. He just wants to know what direction those swift feet are going. So the issue isn't so much swift feet. It's about the direction of those swift feet. So maybe I should, you know, maybe I should revise my title. I don't know, but you understand. So Joseph pit, prison, Potiphar's house. While in Potiphar's house, Potiphar gave him command over the whole house. The whole house. He didn't have to worry about anything. Joseph took care of it. And over a period of time, Potiphar's wife got to eye and Joseph. Started flirting with Joseph. Tried to start to seduce Joseph. Was so bold had the audacity even asked Joseph to lay with her. Have intercourse with her. And so one of the times that she, and she did this, the Bible says, daily. Everybody's tempted. When she attempted to seduce him in Genesis 39, he asked her, this was his response, his response was a question. He asked her, Lie, lay with you, basically. How, how can I do this great wickedness? Hebrew word, raw. How can I do this evil? How can I do this bad? How can I do this mischief? How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You go further down to verse 12. He enters the house one day. Nobody's in the house. She grabs a hold of him. Think with me. What a prime opportunity. Nobody's in the house. No one would be any wiser. If there was ever a time that a person could easily flow like water and hastily and quickly go into the bed of fornication or adultery, Joseph, it would have been then. She even grabs a hold of him. The Bible says, and he fled away from her. Rather being swift to go into her, he was swift to tuck tail and run from her. So the swiftness is not the issue. It's all about what you're moving toward or what you're moving away from in that moment of being swift. And so I would make a declaration this morning, honey, be swift. Be swift with your feet, but be swift with your feet toward God. How is it sometimes we're more swift with our feet away from God than we are toward God?
I see that people have no problem quitting the church, anything they've ever done for the church, their righteousness, their holiness, everything else. They'll be quick, they'll be quick to quit all that and go into the world. And then I got to, as a pastor, be with them for 20 years to ever get them to righteous living. Hey, I've been doing a lot of traveling. I just kind of showed up back home and here I am. Newsflash, though, I'm here for the rest of the year. I don't have no trips planned. I'm not going anywhere. So buckle down and buckle in, honey. It's Christmas time. Amen. How is it? How is it, Bishop? I'm telling you, I don't understand it. God's done this and that and everything else for them. And honey, the moment a bird gets in somebody's saddle, they're saddled, they're quick, they're swift to go towards mischief. Amen. Men will go out and they'll start doing things unthinking of. They'll start laying in beds of fornication. Women will go out and it usually shows up in their appearance first and they'll start cutting their hair off and all these other things. They're swift to do all that. But you get somebody to the church and honey, it'll take them 10 years before they clean up their talk. It'll take them 15 years before they're righteous before God and lifting up holy hands. It'll take them 20 years. I don't understand that. You're swept in the wrong direction. You're swept to do the wrong, but not too swept to do the right. What's the deal? What's the deal? You can stand. I'm coming to a close. Somebody saying amen. Proverbs 4.26, same Proverbs in which our scripture text is taken from. Solomon makes this admonition in verse 26. He says, ponder the path of thy feet. Ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. Verse 27, turn not to the right nor to the left. How many times have you heard that in the tongues and interpretation? Turn not to the right, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Raw, mischief, evil, bad. Ponder, ponder, ponder. Think about what you're doing. Think about where you're going. Think about what you're saying. Ponder it. Let your ways be established. I end with this this morning and we'll pray. We'll open this altar. Proverbs eleven twenty seven. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. It's kind of like this, if I can explain it as such. It's kind of like Elisha, the prophet, and his servant Gehazi. You're listening to me? It's kind of like this. The Bible says that they were in that place that the great miracle of Naaman took place. He dipped seven times in the river and he came forward clean. And then Naaman spoke to Elisha. Elisha, I can give you some garments. I can give you some goods for what has been done unto me. For number one, Elisha didn't do it. God did it. Elisha just gave the instruction. Elisha says, no, we can't take no garments or any goods for what God has done. But as Elisha is over in the room, his servant Gehazi had some swift feet. Gehazi leaves the house and goes out trodden over to where Naaman is leaving. Says, hey, Naaman. Yeah, what's going on? 
He said, there's some people that come to the house and we'd like to have a few of those garments. The Bible says that Naaman got down off his beast and came toward, came toward Gehazi. If you go seeking out mischief, he'll come to you. He got those goods and he went back into the house of Elisha. Elisha, man, he's plugged in with God, folks. I'm telling you, he's on 240. I mean, he's plugged in. He walks in and he says, where you been, Gehazi? Oh, I've not been, I've not been anywhere. He says, whenever you went, my heart went with you. That's what he said. He said, you sought to get some things from Naaman? He said, the leprosy that Naaman had is now going to fall upon you and your descendants. You go seeking mischief. It's going to come seeking you. We've got to be careful about swift feet running to mischief. If we can bow our heads in this place this morning, can bow our heads here today. I'm asking us to evaluate our life. The Apostle Paul said to examine ourselves whether or not we be in the faith. I'm asking us to examine our lives this morning. I know there are several times on Wednesday night, Sunday morning, whenever pastor does his nice little teaching, he is so mindful he gets done and he just prays a prayer and we all go home. But folks, I'm telling you, there is another very important part to the preaching of the word and that's a response to what you've heard. Amen. And so that's what this time right now called an altar call is all about. Us responding to the word and asking God to help us apply that in my life sir or ma'am I'm asking you today please ponder your steps please ponder your walk in Ephesians it's spoken of as walking circumspectly which is just a famous word for walking carefully we got to give consideration to how we're walking because we may be empowering our eyes and empowering our ears and empowering our mouths by where we allow our feet to take us and God Despises God hates feet that are swift in running to mischief. Sir or ma'am, today you need to run unto the Lord. You need to run to your maker, the one that delivered you, the one that in a very spiritual sense and literal probably at times has fed you and cared for you and protected you and guided you and gave you what was needed in the hour that you needed it. Amen. Don't be quick to turn away from that. Don't be quick to shrug that off your shoulders as though that was just a drop of water in the ocean. Honey, it's a big thing whenever God saves a soul. It's a big thing when God delivers a heart. Don't shrug that off. Don't be swift to run in the opposite direction. Somebody today needs to run to the Lord. You've been running in a direction far from God for too long. You've been going down paths that's been unprofitable for your life too long and as you search for evil and bad and mischief things that are uncommon to God they've come to you and have made it easy for you but I'm crying to the death of your soul today in the Holy Ghost you need to turn around and you need to be swift toward God today you need to be swift toward the altar today you need to be swift toward heaven today I plead with you this morning let your feet be swift toward the things that be of God Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.